nicest car is the most honest car you ever see. It's been a dream ever since I've had it. The first time I heard that engine screaming, I thought, I gotta have one of those. For me, the cars have personality. What's great about a BMW Classic is the community that surrounds it. When you listen to that, <laughs> that's why we're here. Welcome to Classic Heart, the BMW Group Classic Podcast. This is JP, and our guest today is Kaiser Salim, better known as the Kaiser. Kaiser, good morning. Good morning to you, JP. How are you today? <laughs> I'm I'm okay. I'm I'm waking up very slowly, but I have my <laughs> cup of tea and typically British, of course. Yeah. But I'm I'm doing well, thank you. I mean, we have to give you who listened in a bit of a background. So it's very early in the morning for every one of <laughs> us in a sense. So we're super happy that uh, Kaiser could make it. And um, also for me, because I just got back from a long travel. So I would say my brain is still in uh, Los Angeles and San Francisco and my body is already here. So please excuse any breaks I have in when while I'm asking and also my language barrier will be stronger uh, this time. <laughs> uh, Kaisel, <laughs> so I just said that your, let's say, artist name and I specifically choose the word artist because uh, you're so much more than just a designer, I think you do really true artwork about cars. You imagine cars, everything. But does the name the Kaiser just came from you annoyed that Kaiser is very difficult? Because let's do it like this. It's spelled <laughs> like K-H-Y-Z-Y-L, right? Yeah. So were you annoyed that you needed the name the Kaiser or how did it all started with that name? I wasn't necessarily annoyed. It's it's more it, it kind of came around uh, due to the the nature of my name or how my name is written. So it was more so a nickname that kind of developed from secondary school to college, and it kind of just stuck. But honestly, it was mainly more related to my online name when I used to play the PlayStation, oh, wow. uh, and I used to play Need for Speed and Gran Turismo. And uh, yeah, it just it just kind of worked, you know, Kaiser, Kaisel. I mean, obviously, you know, unless you're German, it has a, a different meaning. But um, uh, we don't you know the that. German meaning. Are you aware <laughs> of, of the German they, meaning? Of course I do. <laughs> Very good. For those who don't, um, because I think we have to share this. So this is the German word for emperor. I mean, it's very modest, I would say. I, I promise you I'm not that big headed. To, to, yeah. That was not the reason why I stuck with Kaiser. I, I Yes, honestly. But yeah, it, it just stuck and it then became synonymous with my work and my kind of uh, online profile, so to speak. And uh, yeah, I've just rolled with it. You mentioned your work. I mean, I tried to describe it and I think I failed bluntly. But how would you self-describe your work? What are you doing, Kezo? Okay, so um, I think what you said at the beginning was, you know, kind of calling me an artist was awesome because honestly I don't know how to describe myself or what I do either um <laughs> when I get asked this question it's like oh so what do you do and then I just uh, you know I'm like ah, it's a great question I don't know how to answer it yeah. um it's just kind of I I because I started off within my career as a graphic designer and that was kind of my basis for everything and then that kind of converted to a, being a concept artist within game and film and then during that time it then transitioned to automotive design mm. and you know with a, a little a little side of photography as well as kind of my main hobby so 
It's, uh, yeah, I, I have great difficulty trying to encompass what I do into one because there's so many different parts to it. But as of late, I'm, I'm just, you know, trying to kind of develop myself as an all-round artist yeah. and designer within the industry um, yeah. with a, you know, just a little sprinkling of everything else. I mean, that's the magic of our working life today, because uh, when you look back, um, your your career was you started a company, maybe you changed one or two times, and then you went straight on into retirement, but in the very same position. And now, and I really find this so fantastic and so beautiful, is that young generations have the ability to follow their passion and their talents, and also there's no fixed road. You can always switch back and forth, design, You can do sales, marketing, whatever you want to. And uh, I think that's a big, big achievement in the way we see work. Yeah, I I think it's nice not to kind of, you know, it's great being known for a particular area or particular job or body of work. But I find a lot of joy in kind of exploring out those boundaries as well. Yeah. Um, so it's just trying to kind of present yourself and, and showcase to people that you can kind of do more than what you're known for. Yeah. I mean, I remember when we recorded the, um, the one episode we did with uh, Guy Berryman as our guest. So, uh, some background info, Guy Berryman, the bass player of Coolplay, a big car collector. He's also awesome. super passionate about design and fashion. And I called him because in Germany, We have a very nice word that would describe what people like you do. So we call you Tausendsasser. Well, wow. that means a person of many talents. That's so awesome. that's called Tausendsasser, who touches everything a little bit and does very well at. So that's what we call a Tausendsasser. It's a very nice word. Yeah. So um, that's brilliant. I think that yeah. describes you, you. Uh, very well. But for those who might not be familiar with what you do, um, we said the focus is on automotive. And you create also not only digital art and designs, your designs also become reality. In one side, it's a business where you give people the, the option to personalize their cars with body kits. Yeah. We come to this later. <sighs> and the other one is that you work with great names together and create the, the cars at the design or delivery or uh, the body panels. How should a car look like? So I think it's very like a big span as well in the offline world. And that's what I love on your work is that it's, I can feel it, touch it and see it. And I also have it like every time with me in my digital uh, archive, right? Yeah. So I, again, another wonderful thing to do that you really see, this is not only a vision, an idea. No, it's really there. This is why I love concept cars, for example. Yes. Honestly, I, I never really expected or imagined that I would be in the position that I am at the moment, you know, kind of designing cars and then having them built in real life and working with people uh, like, you know, Ken Block and yeah. may he rest in peace and Travis Pastrana and, and um, Top Gear and the Grand Tour and yeah. all these kind of people that I idolized growing up um and working with them in a way where we're building something obscene um that has to function you know and yeah. in turn i also get to learn a lot during those projects i work with engineers i work with you know aero specialists um it's always a very humbling experience because yeah. 
I, I, I'm self-taught, you know, I'm a self-taught artist and honestly, everything I post, the cars I make, they were, the, they were, and they are a kind of therapy for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always kind of, you know, it hits 11 PM, my headphones go on. I turn off all the lights, which I would not recommend if you wear glasses, don't do that. <laughs> um, and yeah, I just be, you know, kind of being my own little world of yeah. designing and creating based off either the music I was listening to or how I felt at the time. So to kind of translate such a personal thing into then working in the real world and working with big, you know, like working with companies like Subaru and the, and the most recent example would be the Hookster, the GL wagon uh, mm-hmm. for Travis Pastrana, which, you know, seeing that thing flying up and down Goodwood ah, with its active aero flaps all over the place. Yes. Not all over the place. They they did kind of help the car. Um, yeah. But it was just, it's just, it's just fun. It's, you know, it's, we live in a very serious world. Yeah. And it's nice to kind of try and inspire people. And definitely the Subaru was a big inspiration point. I mean, the amazing detail on Everything that is related to making this car a race car on the track is absolutely fantastic. But how did you actually get the job? I've um, I've been working from a I say from a very young age, but uh, like basically since I was you know 19 years old, I've been creating artwork of cars. Yeah, how old are you uh, now, if I may ask? I'm 30 now. Okay, yeah, the big so. the big three zero. Oh, congrats. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, it's been a, a good kind of a good while. And um, when I first started throughout the years, you know, I'd, I've I've worked on a lot of cars, um, uh, trucks, you know, drift cars, mm. off-road cars, film inspired. They might be Blade Runner, Cyberpunk-esque, Mad Max. Wow. And throughout the years, that's garnered a lot of interest as well uh, with a lot of people. And working with Travis Pastrana was actually kind of linked to me working with Ken Block and the Hoonigan team uh, way back when, when they were making the uh, the F-150, the, the Hoonigan mm-hmm. truck. Yeah. And it was, it was very interesting because it was, uh, I was freshly into EA. I hadn't really started learning 3D design yet at that time. Um, you know, I was only just starting like literally within two, three months into learning 3D. And um, Matt Cicillo, who was, I think, Ken Block's manager and agent and all-round very close friend, yeah. he got in touch and was like, hey, he was like, uh, you know, we'd, we'd really like you to kind of do some initial concepts for Ken and for his truck. And this was based off a really old truck render that I had done. I'd done a few at that time, I think, of a C10 pickup. Yeah. And um, just from this very quick, ratty-looking 2D photoshopped image of a trunk, um, it kind of got me and, and this introduction into into this world of something that that absolutely terrified me, honestly. And I was I was never truly happy with what I'd done because I just I didn't have the knowledge or the know-how to do what I really wanted to do. Mm. But it was like I said, it was a blessing in disguise, really, because I learned a lot from that project and how to kind of go about achieving the things I wanted to do for the the, the Hookster project, for example. Yeah, um, they got in touch purely just from me posting on Instagram, and uh, that happened, which was amazing. 
And then a few years down the line, um, I'm, I'm very good friends with uh, the Hoonigan guys, so Brian Scotto. Yeah. It was like, hey, it's like, I've uh, got a project for you. It's like, uh, it's working on a Subaru. And uh, we'd really like you to conceptualize a few ideas. So I did a few concepts for them and they really liked one in particular. And uh, we went with that. They were, and that happened to be based off the um, the Subaru GL wagon, which was funnily enough a car I hadn't really seen before or been no. exposed to because here in the UK, you know, it's, it's not really typically a thing that you see. And it was great because they were like Group B inspired, Group 5, Super Silhouette. But then it also needs to be functional. Okay. Okay. All my favorite things. <laughs> yeah. So I did my very first initial concept of that car was quite crazy and quite insane. And they were like, that looks amazing. But we also need to still keep the car recognizable. And I was like, okay. <laughs> okay. You want to take a car that not many people have seen, think it's a very specific kind of subcategory of people yeah. that know what that car is. But I got to work with uh, Subaru USA and um, the amazing kind of team at uh, Subaru Vermont Sports Car that built that car and put it together, working with engineers and everything and, and you know, working off a, a chassis and CAD data they sent over. And it was just a fantastic experience. Um, I mean, the result is absolutely brilliant. And as you said already, seeing this car dashing up the hill in Goodwood, pushed to the limit and I, really like seeing the flaps working. Honestly, I saw the video. I saw the Gymkhana yeah. video they did and I just, I sat in complete awe because yeah. I, I wouldn't have expected that. They didn't tell me what this car would be doing. They're just like, yeah, we need flaps. We need it to be able to stop. Um, <laughs> and that was pretty much it. I'm like, okay. And then you see it fly over a bridge. And, just crazy. Uh, yeah. In, insane. Yes. But speaking about your car, so you mentioned um, the rotary engine RX-7, which is a fantastic yes. drive, we have to say. I mean, this yes. is the one the one car of a Japanese make that I really, really love because just from the engineering point of view and the way the torque is developed, even though it's not like, it's not crazy, but still it is very uh, interesting. And if you, it's I mean, fun. if you see that they built this series from, I think, 1978 or something until the, the early 2000s, I really love that fact that the RX-7 was around for a long time. Then you have a Coet C5, which is, uh, you know, if you were here born in my hometown Hamburg, everyone would think that you work in the red light district or something like this. <laughs> it's one of the cars that were only paid in cash by the pimps. Oh, <laughs> if only they knew the real reason. I, I mainly got the C5 because it was, I just enjoyed how it looked. And it's yeah. basically a US version of the RX-7. <laughs> Just yeah, slight, true. slightly more reliable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And of course, that also had to be stanced. You know, it had to be very inconvenient to drive because this seems to be a reoccurring trend that I enjoy with my cars is that they have to be really uncomfortable to drive. <laughs> um, but then I also, it's uh, so kind of a daily driver Toyota GT86, just a very simple fun car. Again, I don't really know how I fit in these, but... Um, yeah, that's what, I mean, let's describe that your size uh, is. Yeah, I'm 198 centimeters, so <laughs> six, six foot six. Yes. Thereabouts. That, I, I mean, that's how amazing I how you RX squeeze seven. into all these cars. It's like, do you know Luke Gilbertson, who works for DK Engineering? You're not my father's uh, Instagram I don't handle. know. I know of him. I don't know him. Yes. <laughs> so Luke is the same size as you are, and he is the same width as I am. And yeah. um, I have to say, I don't know how he does it, 
but he fits into the smallest sports car you can imagine. He find a way. Yes, find absolutely. A way. And then, you know, this thing with the size inspired me to create, uh, and we're just starting filming this for Classic Driver, and I give you a little preview of that. It yeah. will be a series with a well-known character who is like your size in terms of length. I will not break the news who it's going to be, but the series will, call, will be called Fit to Drive, and we will test amazing cars about yeah. the ability to fit someone who's 198 or even a bit larger okay. and someone who weighs 140 plus kilos like I do. <laughs> so uh, there will be the Fit to Drive Index. Of course, we will all share all the important information about these cars. But um, yeah, we're just starting filming in, in a couple of months. So well, uh, fantastic all finished. Let's Sounds see. Awesome. But I mean, it's very, very amazing. Also, uh, I mean, I think the E36 is the one that is the best fit, I would say. Yeah, you know, we, with my body kit company, we started making, but I mean, I guess I kind of have to jump back to the beginning a little bit. Yes, please go. And kind of in terms of just BMW in general. Um, when I started my body kit company, LTO, which stands for Live to Offend, and um, a weird name, you may think. but A catchy there, one, there, at least. There will be. It is, yeah. It's uh, Honestly, it's a throwback to all my old work. So my old work used to used to really upset people. They would see Ferraris kind of turned into drift missiles and Lamborghinis yeah. doing things that they shouldn't. And people genuinely got very, very offended. You know, I yeah. other pages would repost my artwork, not posting the description that I'd written, which is a big problem these days. And, um, you know, sure. I think this generation doesn't really read descriptions much either way. But I, I got, you know, I got sent threats and, and such for doing this stuff to these guys. I'm like, what? It's it's not even real, you know? <laughs> um, but that's kind of where the, I, I'd always post work with a hashtag of live to offend. And that kind of links back to the body company. But myself and my uh, business partner, Eric, who is based in New Jersey in the US, mm -hmm. he literally, he found my work on Instagram. He sent me a message and he was like, hey, he's like, I love your work. Um, let's make them real. And I'm like, uh, huh? Uh, okay. Uh, uh, I'm not, not quite ready yet, but it was like, look, it was like, if you don't do it now, when are you really going to do it? I was like, yeah, fair enough. Um, so I was two and a half years into working at EA at this point, you know, I'd worked on two Need for Speed games and, um, I'm like, okay, yeah, you know, maybe it would be nice to start making these designs real and, and giving people an opportunity to buy these bases and build something of their own. Yeah. And we set out with the idea in 2018 to basically head to SEMA show in Vegas. Big, big kind of big car convention, essentially, yes. where a lot of, you know, manufacturers and OEM well, I say OEM companies, but also AEM companies, so aftermarket tuning companies, yeah. uh, wheel manufacturers will showcase their new products and latest products. I think and, it's the um, biggest one. It's fair to say SEMA is the yeah, biggest one. Yeah, I'd say so. And we um, were like, okay, let's aim to build a car and a body kit for this show. and well, Not for the show, just to present it at the show. And um, we're like, okay, what car should we pick? And we went through a list, and Eric is a big BMW guy. And I'm yeah. a very big BMW guy, mainly because my dad has always had, you know, he always had E46s, E36s. So I was always fascinated with the E36, for example, and the E30s, as as one would. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and uh, we're like, okay, let's pick a car we're both passionate about. 
and we both love because it, it is what it is you know it's just a fun a very fun car it looks fantastic and let's see what we could do with it and we chose the e30 as our yeah. base for our very first car and our very first body kit and um i set to designing the kit um that to me it, it built off the m3 built off the m3 styling cues just slightly more emphasized ever yeah. so slightly you would barely notice no i'm joking you you probably would um i'm just i'm just a kid that loves cars that grew up in yeah. manchester and just made pretty pictures online that's how i've always just seen myself so to kind of go into this be thrown into this world of designing and then taking that design into cad and then making that design fit proportion wise measurements wise um working with scan data of cars and then going through the manufacturing process um it was a very stressful time but also a great period of of learning yeah and the end result being a car that we take into vegas um the car rolled off the the truck after arriving and we drove it around uh vegas a little bit and uh i got a message from larry and um you know if you don't know larry chen he's He's a very prolific uh, photographer, videographer, and just all around lovable person. And he's like, right, he's like, uh, I want to shoot this car. Um, I'm like, <laughs> okay, practically crying on the phone. Wow. Um, so he took us to a location just outside of Vegas where you could see the, the whole strip. Every You could see everything in the middle of nowhere. It was so quiet. And we did a... Uh, video interview he took pictures uh the sunset and it was just a very it was a very magical experience being in the u.s and experiencing all these things for the first time and wow you know i i couldn't have been happier or more thankful to the people that helped build the car and, and to larry as well because it was my first real introduction and my first kind of moment where i was like to myself okay you know, maybe, maybe I can do this and maybe this is possible. And the show that the show that the car went down very, very well at SEMA to my surprise, it, you know, garnered the attention of, of Gran Turismo and Felifony Digital, which is, you know, I'm a huge Gran Turismo fan. So that ah. meant a great deal. Yes. Um, and the car kind of got, got put into the GT awards category, which is, uh, for those that don't know, is, um, basically a series of awards where the winner will get their car put into Gran Turismo. Amazing. We came second place and we won best Euro, yeah. which uh, <laughs> I would have been happy with top five or six you yeah. know, or anything. Uh, so to get second place and best Euro was absolutely amazing for a first experience. It was, it was just, it was phenomenal. And, um, and then we went back in 2019 with V2 of our E30 kit. So it was a little bit wider, yeah. a little bit more aggressive. And this time it was, it was, uh, planted onto a car that had an eight to one V8 setup <laughs> with, um, crazy. It honestly, it sounded like a Bridgeport in Rotary, <laughs> but it was a V8 and it was yeah. the, just the most insane thing built by, uh, Rebellion Ford racing um in the u.s 
built for the track. Amazing. And there were a few other things as well, like a Lamborghini Huracan. I, you know, it's my first experience working with yeah. YouTubers as well, which was a very eye-opening experience. And in doing that as well and working on these cars, it I learned a lot about what I need to do in the future to kind of solidify my image as a brand and what that means in terms of quality. And I, I hadn't thought of those things before, you know, because yeah. I always just saw myself as, oh, I'm just an artist. I just do this for fun, you know, like it's, it's just something I do as a hobby. But when you have yeah. YouTubers, for example, building one of your designs for content and you have zero control over what the outcome of that car is going to be on such a wide platform as SEMA, where it's, you know, it's very media and content heavy. And if something has been built and your yeah. name is attached to it and the quality might not live up to what you were expecting or what you were promised, it doesn't have a great effect. You know, it's not. So I, I learned again, it's just lessons. I, I learned a lot there in how to kind of approach that in the future and, and um, build cars based off quality and yeah. making sure they, they, you know, there's a standard there to follow. Yeah. I mean, if I just may say that, I think that's always a bit of a tricky thing if you provide yeah. something that uh, <laughs> people can build on their own. So uh, it's to their ability, Absolutely. or I would say in a positive way, uh, also they take the freedom you took and even do like a interpretation of what you did. And I would always, even though it might not be in terms of the quality to your standards, uh, if I'm not a, I'm not a pro of that scene, but I think just from a initial feeling, I would see this as okay. I mean, cool that this person, this fan, wants to do his own interpretation on that one. It's a it's a catch twenty two situation because that is the whole reason as to why we do body kits, and it's the whole reason as to why we inspire people to build things. Yeah, and even though you know you get things like that, I'm still forever just completely mind blown that people want to build and design these things and I take a lot of joy and pride in that you know it's yes. again it's it's so awesome to see a youtuber or to see anyone just want to build something that you've designed and it, it's kind of an unfair scenario or situation because when you're you're you put yourself on those platforms you're open to so much scrutiny even yeah. though you might not feel, you know, that particular way um, about things. Uh, but I can imagine that uh, with a body kit scene, there's a kind of dialogue and give and take. And um, so I'm sure that you inspire some of them. And uh, also, I assume you get inspired by some. You know, I'm, I'm very much inspired by... The greats you have Nakai San of of RWB and Yoro San, Kato San, Liberty Walk, Panda, Rocky Bunny. You know, I've been, I say, involved with them for a very long time. Yeah. And I've always wanted to do my own version of of what that looks like. And, um, you know, even now, I'm I'm only just at the the beginning of it all, I feel. It's a long way to go. Um, it's it's a long way to go. It's it's a lot of fun, you know, like working with uh, or collaborating with artists like Daniel Arsham, for example, yeah. on his Nebula 98, you know, it takes you out of the original kind of the, the norms you would perceive as what a body kit is and what a car can look like. And 
working with JP as well, for example, you know, Jean-Pierre. It's the other JP, by the way, it's not me. Oh, other JP, yeah, the other (laughs) JP. Um, You know, wanting to build some crazy designs and he built the the Golf Mark II, which I designed as as just a concept. It was never supposed to be made real. And then here you go. He's like, yep, got to do that. Uh, I mean, but (laughs) it must be so rewarding that you just, as you said, you sit down, turn off the lights, even though you wear glasses, and then something comes out of your creativity, out of your mind, out of your heart, and you just create something, you put it live on whatever channel, in this case, maybe Instagram, and uh, someone like JP from JP Performance says, oh, wow, that's exactly how my golf should look like. Yeah, I mean, that must be so rewarding, Kaisel. I think that's That's also fantastic. I mean, you couldn't ask for anything more like that. No, no, honestly, it's uh, like I said earlier, I I don't know how I got here. I, you know, I, I, I'm a self-taught artist and I create as, as, as I said, it's, it's therapy for me. And where did you get your inspiration from? I draw my inspiration a lot from your group B, uh, group five racing, your Japanese touring cars, super GT, super silhouette with that E30, uh, the M1 pro car just stuck in my mind. And I was like, Hmm. Okay. The car was black at the time as well. It was just sat in black. Yeah. I'm like, what, what wheels would work really well with this? And Rotaform made a version of the M1 wheels just stepped up and more yeah. aggressive. And I'm like, that's the one. Fantastic. Because the kit is is essentially, the kit itself is a homage to the E30, yeah. just exaggerated. It's like, okay. And at the rear spoiler as well is also E21 inspired, you know. So kind of merging those elements together, it just felt right to put it on wheels that were Again, BMW inspired the M1 Pro car, you know, it just came together really nicely. I mean, it's lovely to see how BMWs in be influential to your work, but do you have a routine to not lose this inspiration? I spend a lot of time creating mood boards or folders of inspiration or just gathering a lot of references of things that just, I find inspiring, whether that be architecture, whether it be cars whether it be, you know, fashion related, lifestyle related images, because they all help build your visual library um, and your mental library of things to kind of help when you need to start creating something again. And that personally works really well for me. You know, again, same formula, late at night, lights off, headphones on, scrolling through Pinterest or Twitter, you know, just, just looking at old, old, like racing sites and, and and all sorts of YouTube videos, you know, films, jump back into Blade Runner or mm-hmm. watch Mad Max, Akira, and all these these worlds kind of start merging together and looking on art sites as well, like Behance and ArtStation. And um, they're all references. They're all, you know, the, yeah. just get the just, synapses just fired off. Yeah, they're all tools to enhance your visual library. You know, but I, I always find the best when you have that creative block, just step away, yeah. do something different until you get that something that really ignites your inspiration and passion to create something again. It's it's natural. If you do a lot, then it also comes with it. And yeah, uh, you live in London, right? 
Uh, no, so I live I live in the middle oh. of the UK. Um, I used to live down in Surrey when I worked okay. with EA, but I now moved uh, to the Midlands. Um, nice. it's, it's actually it's quite cool. It's very car focused. You know, it's a car central area. You have yeah. Aston Martin and JLR uh, thirty minutes away. You have Cafe yeah. in the Machine, which is a great hub for people like myself, of you know people who enjoy cars or bikes or anything of that kind to kind of go and gather and they host events and, and little meets and gatherings. And um, have you been before? Yeah, Maybe. absolutely. You because, been? you know, yeah. when we, so it, it was uh, at that time when there was this fantastic thing, I could call myself a founding member, which is still around, <laughs> but not active at the moment, uh, which is the Tire Kicker Club. Yes. I don't know if you heard of yeah, these guys. Of course, yeah. I so, have, have. and what we've done is like we wanted to create something which is super exclusive because it's the only club in the world where you can't become a member yeah. <laughs> because there are no member. It's just some <laughs> uh, crazy people about cars hanging out, sure. having good conversation over a bacon sandwich at Dale's Ford. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and then we do something special, and it should be easy going. So you arrive in the morning, we do something, and everyone leaves after lunch. Right. Yeah. Now. And I mean, that was amazing. So yeah. I love that area. But yet London has so many nice photo ops. This idea is so inspiring. I, I think soon I'll have to take my E36 back into London as well for a few shoots, which I have organized and planned, which I'm slightly terrified about given the um, the slight width extension of the car. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it's barely noticeable. But in London, it's, it's noticeable. But yeah, very much gives me a lot of anxiety, but I'm also very excited. Yeah. Um, I always love visiting London when I get the opportunity to do so. Just driving makes me nervous always. Yeah, but that's, it is. You know, that's London being London. Um, Imagine for me. I need to drive on the wrong side for me. <laughs> Shifting everything is wrong side. So. That was me. That was me in Japan. Um, and you think, wait, but Japan is, is the same as the UK, but yeah. the car I was driving in Japan was a, an old Mercedes A124 and it was left-hand drive. I was like, okay, yeah, great. <laughs> it was a- I've never been to Japan, so- You've never been to Japan? No, it, it blame okay. me for it. I'm, 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 I, come, uh, come in January, we will hopefully have uh, some of our first ever- LTO Kisses E36s being launched at Tokyo Water Salon, uh, sure, providing done. all goes well. So just come along. There's a BMW link there, you know, like yeah, the underground meets. It'll be, uh, it'll be very cool. Yeah. But it's, uh, I, I owe a lot to Japanese car culture. Um, I mean, they are the forefront, in my opinion. They are my main inspirations with everything that I do and have done with car design and car modification, yeah. you know, like, um, they are very respectful as, um, you know, as people yeah. and culture wise, but they're also, they have a very rebellious side, yes, which I love. You know, you have your Shakatan, Busuzoku yeah. and Kaido races being built. You have the drift scene and it's just, the, the food it, it's, the food is it's, amazing. It's, it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. Yes. And I went for... Weckfest, uh, which is a car show, modified car show, that I'd always wanted to visit and go to. Um, an amazing experience. We drove from Tokyo to Nagoya with a convoy of of these incredible cars um, from some very good friends in Tokyo and the surrounding area. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they live already in the future, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. somehow. But also like yeah. the affection. For, for things, but like they love objects and the respect for the object. Yes. 
um, Kaiser, let's let's speak about uh, the change of mobility. I mean, we have alternative ways to power a car, to move a car. We have alternative concept of uh, autonomous driving, all these kind of things. Do you also reflect this change of mobility in your work? Um, I do on two separate levels. Mm -hmm. So you kind of have, you know, the electronification of cars that we're seeing at the moment. Yeah. But for me, it's the stylistic elements which I like to adapt to my work, not necessarily the drivetrain of those cars. Yeah. So the, the, again, it, it kind of ties in very nicely with the rest of the mod side of stuff because yes. you're modernizing all the cars. And then you have, like you mentioned, the autonomous side, but that links into a very fantastical side of my work. That links into the fun and experimental side of my work. You know, I really enjoy taking cars that we love white bodying them, lowering them and sticking a drone or a robot in the driver's seat as opposed to a human, you know, and it's, it's not imagining a post-apocalyptic world, but, um, yeah, there's elements I like to take from things that are happening currently and adapting them to my work just in a way that works for me personally. Yeah. And with this brief glance into how mobility will look in future, I would like to close this conversation heavy-hearted because, I mean, we could talk for ages and I would love to learn more because you are very inspiring. And uh, thank you for sharing so many information about yourself, your personal story and how you approach your work and all, all this. And I think the most important message of our conversation is don't be suspicious towards car optimizations let's call them that ones and um, they can be beautiful and especially your work Kaisel is very inspiring and beautiful thank you Kaisel for joining Classic Heart today thank you JP and also everyone who tuned in thank you very much to listen to the things we said and we talked about with Kaisel Salim aka the Kaiser and if you like what you listen to please do us a favor, subscribe to this podcast that you don't miss out any future episode. Also browse through the archives because I think we have some amazing guests with amazing point of views uh, that have been shared with us. And if you do us a big favor, then you leave us a five-star rating in the podcast provider you trust. And um, also a big shout out to all the team, Scenario Studio, Alex and Marcus, uh, who are taking care that we sound right. And then we have uh, Robin from Shot One and Federica, who is our editor. Without these, uh, this podcast would not be possible. Kaisel, thank you. Thank you. Take care.